You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back. Happy New Year. I am coming in hot with a topic that I'm really passionate about. This is a solo episode and you saw from the title of this episode, it says, don't diet, do this instead. What is the this? We will get into all of that and more. Questions for you, my dear listeners. Have you ever tried to lose weight by following a certain eating plan? intentionally trying to avoid a certain food group and focus on another food group. For example, I'll eat less carbs and eat more vegetables, or I'm going to stop eating after 8 p.m. Or maybe you decide I'm going to eat healthy, but I'm going to have one cheat day where you eat all of the bad foods. And I'm putting bad in quotes, even though you can't see me, because food does not have morality. As I've gotten older, I'm at the wise age of 32, I've become increasingly radicalized against diets. I think diets are very toxic. The girls that get it, get it. And the girls that don't, don't. Side note, production note, I have decided that my TikTok addiction will now be making its way onto Naked Beauty with TikTok relevant sound bites added to my solo episodes. The girls who get it, get it. Okay, back to diets. They simply do not work. And it has been proven in so many studies. I have like poured over studies. I have looked at so much research. According to the Council on Size and Weight Discrimination, 95% of dieters regain their lost weight within one to five years. Studies also show that dieters regain weight regardless of whether they maintain their diet or exercise program. Diets are not designed to give you lasting weight loss. I'm actually beginning to think they are designed to get you to spend money and like kind of exist in a psychosis state the deeper and deeper I get into (laughs) figuring out why people go on these insane diets. There's also a belief that many of us have a set weight that our bodies are comfortable at. And the more you try to fight against that set weight, the more you cause your body to just not even, I don't know, react to food and metabolize normally. There's just a lot that from a physiological and psychological and health perspective has taught us that diets are not a very good thing to do. Dieting often involves restricting certain foods, restricting calories, ignoring hunger cues, right? That's a big part of dieting, ignoring hunger cues, which is all of that puts your body into whack. 
the more you starve yourself, the more you deprive yourself of foods, the more you become obsessed with food. Have you guys heard of the Minnesota starvation experiment? It was 1944 or 1945. Fascinating study. Um, They were basically seeing the impacts of starvation. So they had the control period, which was 12 weeks. So in that control period, they were given, I don't know, 2,000, 2,500 calories a day to enjoy whatever food they wanted. I should mention, trigger warning, this episode, weight and calories will come up instructively for me to make the points that I need to make. But I know that that can be sensitive for some people. So just flagging that calories and weights do come up in this episode. Then they went to the starvation portion of the study where they were restricted to, I think, 1,000 calories a day. Only men in the study. These men, though, in that starvation period, became obsessed with food. They started dreaming about food. All they wanted to do was talk about food. They became obsessed with looking at cookbooks, at recipes. They just became obsessed with food. And I think that's a lot of what happens when you go on these diets or these like restrictive eating plans. It actually gets you to become more preoccupied with food than you would have been naturally. So don't diet. Instead of dieting, I believe you should do these two things. Number one, identify the problem you want to solve and solve that one problem. I know that's vague. I'm going to personalize it in a bit. We're going to come back to number one. Two, plan and get organized, but don't plan too much. I'm going to explain that one now. Planning too much gets into the stressful world of meal prep, food journals, dreaded calorie counting apps like MyFitnessPal, which can really trigger eating disorders, disordered eating, preoccupation with food for people. There's an amazing podcast that I actually need to just stop and acknowledge called Maintenance Phase. I love it. I think it's such a great podcast. They have an episode about eating disorders where they basically explain that you can be any weight in any size and have an eating disorder. One of the things this episode does so well is talk about how larger people, lots of larger people, go under the radar for eating disorders like anorexia because they aren't dangerously thin, but they are still severely restricting their calories. They are still having missed periods. They still have all of these other indications that would say this person has a textbook eating disorder, but because they're not dangerously thin or extremely thin or even just thin, they go undiagnosed. Here's the definition of eating disorders as discussed on this podcast. Listen here. You know, one of the things that's become more common colloquially is for somebody to talk about, you know, keto or intermittent fasting or these various fad diets. <laughs> and then somebody will sort of jump into their replies and be like, actually, what you're describing is an eating disorder. And so how do we sort of draw the line between people going on a diet for, you know, whatever it's New Year's and like actually disordered worrying behavior? That's the question of the century. <laughs> right, I was hoping you could solve this. I'm sure there's no divergent opinions on this. I'm sure it's not an open debate among <laughs> scholars at all. So just solve it for us, please. What I'm about to say is 100% correct and un- undebated. Good. Uh, <laughs> but... For me, the the line comes from like a psychology standpoint. It comes down to how much does this interfere with your life? Right. Sometimes when I'm with people, you know, I'll, I'll put like my hands in like a little circle. Right. And I'll say like, okay, like if this is you, 
And then if this other hand is like your thoughts about food and your thoughts about exercise and any kind of planning that goes into a binge or a purge or anything like that, or what you're thinking about your butt and how big it is or your body and how much you want to change it and the plans that you have and like how much of those do those two circles overlap? Right. For many people with eating disorders, those circles are right on top of each other. Maybe there's just kind of like a sliver of stuff that they are thinking about or devoting time and energy to that's not related to their body, food, or exercise, you know? But like, if you're like, okay, well, if I think about this 10% of my day, am I okay with that? I also wonder if, because there's so much gray area, mm-hmm. that that's one of the reasons why we rely on weight so much. Because it's like, if somebody's mm-hmm. weight is low or somebody's lost X percent of their body weight in X weeks, then it just gives us a way to see that there's the signs of this. But the problem is that then once we only rely on weight, then we miss like the majority of people who have eating disorders and aren't under 110 pounds or whatever. Okay, so it's this preoccupation with food and your body and the size and what are you going to eat? How are you going to burn it? All of that is a signal that there's some disordered eating going on. They also have an amazing episode debunking BMI, which is a truly meaningless, meaningless calculation that tells you absolutely nothing about your health. We've been so brainwashed as a society. It's actually disgusting. We've really been taught and have ingrained fat phobia in our culture from such a young age. And we're taught that thin people are healthy and fat people are not healthy. And if you're larger, you must be eating bad foods all the time and never moving your body. And some of the thinnest people I know, and I'm, I love my brother. I love you, Alexander. I'm sorry to put you on the spot here. He is, you know, what we would call a string bean, just very tall, very lanky, very thin. But his diet is garbage. Like I am always on him about what he eats. He's like a McDonald's for lunch kind of guy and not like once in a blue moon, like very often. Now, if he goes for a checkup at the doctor's office, his weight and his diet are not ever going to come up. They're never going to have a conversation with him about, so tell me about your diet. What are you eating? If he had a high BMI body mass index, they would probably bring up his weight and ask about his diet and say that he should start you know, trying to lose weight. We have so much evidence that tells us that how active you are every single day says so much more about how healthy you are than your weight does. And don't even get me started on how racist the BMI system is and how it was only modeled off of white men. And there's also all of this crazy history around the BMI. It used to be a different number. If you were above a different number for BMI, you were considered overweight, but then they lowered that number so more people would qualify as overweight in a way that really insurance companies benefited from. It's it's like a very just you can go down a whole rabbit hole on BMI, but BMI is very, very meaningless. Listen to the podcast episode about it because it was very enlightening. Okay. Tangent, we're getting back to planning. So I said, don't diet, instead plan, but don't plan too much. I think for many people, when you plan too much, it becomes an unhappy situation because you're not able to be as flexible. If you meal prep for five days and on the third day, you just really don't feel like eating that baked salmon and chickpeas or whatever you made, then comes the guilt and shame and you're just like, ordering Uber Eats or Seamless or whatever food delivery system you've got in your city. And you're like, to hell with it. 
I've already messed up. I might as well go big and get the pad thai and get the sticky rice with mango and the curry puffs. Yes, I'm reciting an exact order that I ordered (laughs) to you guys and it was delicious. But you order all of that. You eat it all, even past the point of being full. Now, this place, Thai Villa, fantastic, fantastic Thai food in Chelsea. If you were in New York and you want a good Thai restaurant, the pad Thai serving is generous. To eat it all takes some effort. It's like you have to really go in to eat that entire serving. But what happens is you're like, I'm being bad. So I'm just going to eat more than I would have normally ate because I'm going to start again tomorrow. And tomorrow I'm going to be good. Now, if you're not treating this as this bad and immoral thing that you're doing, you're not going to go ham because you have mentally set yourself up to see this as a write-off, as a failure. So I hope that's making sense. When you decide okay, I have a diet and this, and I'm eating healthy, but tonight I'm being bad. So just let's go all in. That's what creates these really unhealthy cycles. So plan, but don't plan too much. Don't plan to the point where if you fall off of your plan, you're feeling guilt and shame and you just go too far on the other end. So here's what planning means for me. Having apples to snack on between Zoom calls is very important for me. I have bananas on hand too, but I'm more of an apple girl. Maybe you're a clementine person. Figure out what your go-to fruit is. What's the fruit that you like to have around that makes you happy? I'm very jealous of people who can be content snacking on nuts because that's like a top tier snack that requires no prep and is very filling. The only nuts I really enjoy snacking on are pistachios and pistachios are weirdly expensive. But anyway, I buy pistachios, apples, different snack mixes that I've discovered. I'll link some in the show notes. That's just good to have on hand between calls when you're busy during the day. When I don't plan, what happens is I end up getting famished and overeating or I just go for what's convenient. Like I'll get the feta egg wrap from Starbucks at 3 p.m. I don't even like that egg wrap that much, but I'm just like hungry and I haven't planned. So you know how we talked about having organized skincare and like having an organized medicine cabinet with all of your favorite skincare at eye level. You can actually see your products. You can grab them easily. You look forward to doing your skincare routine at night. We talked about how having like an organized skincare cabinet makes your approach to skincare better because you know where everything is and you can see it and it's clear. That's kind of the same for grocery shopping. If you get organized enough and you can have delicious blueberries rinsed and sitting in a bowl in the fridge, that's kind of like half of the work is done for you. Also, you know, when you go to a salad place like sweet green or chopped and they have all of those delicious chopped and roasted vegetables to throw on lettuce and they have those great dressings and they have things like candied walnuts, you can create a version of that at home. Having a baby weirdly helped me with this. I always have to have food ready for Mavi. Most days in our refrigerator, we have baked sweet potato, quinoa, hard-boiled eggs, roasted vegetables like peppers in the fridge. I usually have ground beef, ground turkey, which yes, it's for my 15-month-old son. But also if I need to make a quick lunch, I can crack open a sweet potato, 
add in some spinach, some ground beef, maybe some sliced avocado, yogurt, cheese, whatever I'm feeling that day. And that's a great fulfilling lunch. So get organized enough to have the foods that you like on hand, but don't go crazy with meal prep days in advance. I also just find food journals to be like a very cruel form of punishment. They're very sadness inducing for me. And maybe it's just triggering because I had to do a food journal for a nutritionist for two weeks and literally write down every single thing I ate, what time I ate it, how much of it I ate, measure my blood sugar for like an hour after and then two hours after. I mean, it was horrible. That is a part of my story that is going to explain my tip number one, don't diet. Instead, identify the problem you want to fix. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. But I just like jumped right into discussion, guys. Like, we also need to catch up a bit. We haven't talked in a while. I hope everyone really did have an amazing just time off, a great time bringing in 2022. I'm back from a really wonderful trip in Mexico. I was in Playa del Carmen. I stayed at this incredible place called Palmaya. It's the House of Aya on Instagram if you want to look them up. It's a progressive wellness retreat. All menus are plant-based. What makes it progressive? Like that term, like what? what's a progressive wellness retreat versus just like a regular wellness retreat for like a traditional wellness retreat. I think of like a canyon ranch, like a spa situation. Also, it was all inclusive. So like once you check into the hotel, like there's no wallet, there's no money being discussed. There's like everything is included. The classes you can take, they have this program, they call it the Architects of Life program. And you can drop into these classes throughout the day. They're led by these incredible like healers and guides and people that have done like deep, deep work in this space. I did a cacao ceremony. I did Tai Chi. I took a class called Primal Moves where we connect to like our animal selves. Um, Meditations where they use essential oils like Palo Santo and frankincense. The spa was on another level. The spa treatments aren't included, but holistic treatments that really honored indigenous practices with ingredients specific to that region. So like full body exfoliation with corn to get your skin smooth. I did an intention setting ceremony led by Tanya, this incredible woman who you guys are going to hear from on an upcoming episode that I'm going to do about Mexican beauty culture. But just top to bottom, I had the best time at Palmaya. And for families, it's so good. They have a conscious kids program with nature walks and bread baking for kids. They have babysitting services. 
If you are a family and you're like looking for a trip to relax, but you don't want something that feels, I don't know, just standard, you really want like a wellness escape. I think this is a fabulous option. A lot of people there didn't have kids, but a lot of people did have kids. And I I think a lot of people do not want to be around children. And I get it as a parent, no offense taken. It may not be for you if you don't like being around children, but I had the best time. Okay, back to the food for a moment. This all-inclusive plant-based wellness retreat, you could order meat if you wanted to by request. They weren't like against it and it was all grass-fed, organic, like really nice meat too. But they have several restaurants, room service. There's like an Asian restaurant where we went to one night. All plant-based sushi. They had mushroom bao buns. Incredible. There was a vegan taco truck. They had this carne asada taco. I had it on my second day and I was like, wait, there's not meat in this. I was shook that there was no meat in this grilled corn with lime. And I still drink alcohol there. Like I had my vegan pina coladas with rum, not too sweet, not too sugary, but like, it's not like I was only eating like steamed vegetables. Like I was enjoying my time and I felt great. I wasn't tracking anything. I certainly wasn't worried about calories or what time I was eating or intermittent fasting. Now, will I become vegan? No. (laughs) Will I eat more plant-based foods? Yes, because I think it is good for me and I think it is good for the planet. And I was just amazed at how fulfilled I felt. I actually can't think of a week that I've spent eating so well, so consistently. I'm usually like 80% healthy with croissants and chips and mochi after dinner thrown in. I love green tea mochi. That is like my favorite thing ever. But I ate consistently, you know, no processed foods every day for eight to nine days at this wellness retreat. It was a kind of place where you would have like roasted pineapple with like a yogurt something for dessert. That would be it. That would end the night. And now I am on day four of Saqqara, which is a plant-based delivery service, which I'm really enjoying. I'm not doing the full 30-day program yet, but I've been very inspired by how much you can do with lentils, grains, sweet potato, tofu, scallions, spinach, miso curry, ginger. Like I'm just, I'm getting into all of the delicious things you can put together for good plant-based meals. Now, I've said all of these lovely things about my plant-based experience, but let me talk about how I've become increasingly radicalized against diets. I think that diets and diet culture are so toxic and so ingrained that we don't even realize it. Growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, it was actually shocking and concerning looking back at how exposed to diets I was growing up. I can remember having snack wells at home. That's like a low-fat cookie. I can remember having 10-calorie jellos or like 100-calorie Oreo packs. And my best friend and I, when we were 12 years old, we were obsessed with these Slim Fast cookie dough bars. Like we were obsessed with them. Now, Of course, they were meal replacement bars. Like it said, like meal replacement bar. And we 100% ate them as snacks. Like we would have like several in a day. But the fact that I was even exposed to this concept that a 200 calorie protein bar was a meal replacement, like I need to just process like how wild that is, that that's just something that was like a given. Like, oh, some people eat this as their meal, as their dinner. You know, hearing my parents or adults that I knew talk about Atkins growing up or the South Beach diet or seeing trim spot drugstores or 
literally doing the master cleanse diet because Beyonce did it. Now, I would hope, especially for my younger listeners, I know you guys do not know what the master cleanse diet is. It was starvation with like a bow wrapped around it. Beyonce, I think she announced that she did it for her role in Dream Girls, I believe. But it was this crazy diet that people did. They called, you know, they always call it like a cleanse, right? There was like a whole, oh, you're cleansing your body of toxins and you're ridding your body of toxins. And it was like water and cayenne pepper and maple syrup. It had to be a specific type of maple syrup. And you'd wake up in the morning and do a salt water flush, but you basically survived on water with lemon and cayenne pepper and maple syrup. I think you're supposed to do it for like seven days, 10 days. Now, of course, I could not last that long. But the fact that I was like, even for like one to two to three days, like starving myself with water and cayenne and lemon, like what the hell? Like that is very disturbing. I grew up seeing commercials for Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, Slim Fast, et cetera, et cetera, and on and on. And there used to be this column in Us Weekly where a celebrity would share what they ate in a day and then a professional nutritionist would comment on it and critique it and say, oh, well, she's eating a really balanced lunch, but she should avoid pretzels in the afternoon because those are just empty calories. And, you know, sure, yes, em- the concept of empty calories exists and I'm not saying that everything that a nutritionist has to say is bad. And, but I do think that when I look back, I realize how much I was being fed this idea that like your hunger and appetite is something that you were constantly meant to control and like almost like dominate into submission so that you can be thin. So All of that toxic messaging around restriction and calorie counting and labeling foods as bad or evil or immoral. And it's like the angel on your shoulder says, eat salads. And the devil says, eat brownies. And that sort of imbalance is a real difficult dynamic to have with food. It's like creates unnecessary shame and I just think looking back, it was all very toxic. So I've tried cutting out sugar on my own. And if you listen to this podcast, you guys know about this struggle. I've talked about this openly on solo episodes and with guests. I've had moderate success in the past, but I was never able to truly lose my desire for sugar. Then 2020 happened. I was pregnant. I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I have an episode on that. If you search gestational diabetes, you will find it. But I actually had to cut out sugar for months as a heavily pregnant woman. And I will tell you, it was terrible. For me, it meant no desserts, but also no bread. It also meant no fruit. I mean, it was like very intense. And here's the thing about my experience cutting out sugar completely. I was pretty unhappy like going through that experience. I won't say I lost my joy for life, but honestly, I did a tiny little bit. Like it made me less happy than I would have been if I was able to enjoy, let's just say, fruit in the summertime or like a nice ice cream cone on the summertime. I remember my birthday, August 3rd, I had deviled eggs with candles in it. I like blew out like my my mom very graciously made deviled eggs. We put candles in the deviled eggs and I blew that out for my birthday cake. Like that's depressing. 
Now, when it has to do with the health of your child and it's not vanity or some perceived health benefit of cutting out sugar, I was able to do it. But my life was not improved. And that was a big, big lesson for me. Now, it is true that the less you eat sugar, the less you want it. I will say that and I have to admit that. But the delusion that I had for all of these years was that if I cut it out, I simply wouldn't want it anymore. And that is false. And that is a lie because you always remember the joy of a slice of red velvet cake, the unique pleasure of taking a sip of a latte and then tearing off a piece of an almond croissant and not like the bad almond croissants with just like the slivered almonds on top, the really good almond croissants with that like nice almond filling. What I'm saying is, Sugar is a part of my life that I enjoy having from time to time. And I thought that happiness would be ridding myself of the desire to have sugar, but it's not. It's learning how to manage my cravings for sugar. So remember I said, don't diet, do this instead. Instead of dieting, identify the thing you want to change and change that. Now, for me, the thing that I wanted to change was overeating at night. I would eat normally all day. And then suddenly after dinner, I would feel this unstoppable urge to eat a bunch of junk food after my dinner. And it didn't even matter if I didn't have it in the house because I would go to the bodega. I live in New York City around the corner and just get a pack of Oreos or This is a very dangerous thing. If you're not the kind of person that can handle this information, do not Google it. But I learned how to make like a one minute mug. They call it a mug cake. It's essentially like a cake that you can cook in a coffee mug in the microwave. (laughs) But you get my point. I would find a way to get the sugar binge. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter if I didn't have it in the house. And then you go to bed feeling pretty crappy. But inevitably, you wake up and you do it again. And I wasn't like those people that could have like a square of dark chocolate and a cup of mint tea and just be like, ah, that's nice. I'm fulfilled. Now, currently, January 2022, as I'm recording this, I have a really good relationship with food and my body. I work out with a personal trainer twice a week. We do strength training. I can lift so much more than I could when I started. I started working out April 2021. It's now January 2022. I am so much stronger than I was. Like that is what I'm really proud of. Now, as an aside, and again, trigger warning weight is going to come up, but I've also lost 25 pounds in the past year. Like that's cool. That's fine. The fact that I even know that is also telling you guys that I still weigh myself. And maybe as I continue to get enlightened, I won't even use a scale anymore. I'm not there yet. But I feel like I'm in a really good, just healthy place. I'm currently on day four of this Saqqara Life plant-based subscription meal service thing, and I'm enjoying it. Um, But I also ate some cookies last night after my roasted vegetable bowl. So I'm taking a very relaxed approach. So when it comes to me not eating a bunch of sugary stuff after dinner, I think it often comes down to me just being too hungry. Now, some people call it intermittent fasting. And I actually really like that narrative for myself because it makes me seem like very intentional and disciplined, like I'm intermittent fasting. But the reality is I'm usually just too busy and preoccupied with work and childcare to eat before 2 p.m. So I eat lunch 
And it's usually kind of a rushed lunch. And then I have dinner and then I'm hungry, obviously, after that. So dessert kind of becomes like my third meal. And I found that eating more during the day has helped me avoid binging a bunch of not great food at the end of the night. And when I say not great food, I'm not saying like bad food. I'm saying food that doesn't make me feel good at the end of the night. So whatever problem or thing you want to change is, identify what that is and just focus on that instead of going on a diet. So maybe it's that you don't want to stress eat. Maybe it's that you want to have fewer drinks during the week. Maybe you feel like you're drinking too much and that's making you not feel great. So you say, okay, I want to have three glasses of wine a night. I'm not a big drinker. So I feel like I have my cocktail as like this like ritual, nice thing that I do with my husband. Occasionally I have wine during the week, but for a lot of people, they are not happy with how much they're drinking. So make a plan around drinking less. Maybe you feel like you are eating when you're bored and you want to do something else when you're bored. Really try to get clear on what it is you want to change in your relationship with food and focus on that one thing because it's impacting your overall well-being. So again, focus on that one specific issue, make a plan, tackle it, you've got this. Here's one of the takeaways I want you to have from this conversation. Being smaller isn't healthier. It's not more beautiful to be thin. It's not better to be thin. Having a small body is not some goal that you should be aspiring towards. Being healthy is having a neutral slash positive relationship with food. It means eating delicious food that makes you feel good when you feel like it. Intuitive eating is being in touch with when you're full versus when you're hungry, when you're emotional eating versus when you're enjoying the food. It's being present as you're eating the food. And you want to avoid restrictive dieting and harmful thoughts about food being good or bad. So I've been ranting for a very long time. I think it's time for me to wrap up this episode and sign off. But I love you guys. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope this gave you some new perspective as you think about your relationship to eating and just enjoying life and just do not, do not, do not go down the rabbit hole of dieting. If there are things about your relationship to food that make you feel unhappy, identify what that is and try to work on a specific plan to address that aspect of your relationship with food that makes you unhappy. And if it will help you to plan more, make a plan, but don't plan too much. And remember, life is meant to be enjoyed. We are not here to be the thinnest, fittest version of ourselves. We are here to have an experience and to enjoy life. So here's to living more life in this year ahead and just having a good, positive, enjoyable relationship with ourselves and what we consume. Thank you guys for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.